Well, thank you so much for being here today. My name is Chris Montgomery and the pastor here at Fraser Church. Today is going to be a little different. We have a very special guest with us, and that is our pastor emeritus, John Ed Matheson. Uh, you may not know this if you're kind of new to the area or new to the church, but John Ed was actually the pastor here for 36 years. And when he retired from being the senior pastor here at Fraser in 2008, he started John Ed Matheson Leadership Ministries. And so I would encourage you to check out the books that John Ed has written. He's written 11. And then also, if you'll go to johnedmatheson.org, you can sign up for a blog and a newsletter uh, and things like that. And so, John Ed, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. And thank you for letting me come and be a part of this. And thank you for, I tell you, when uh, you've taken off, it has been meteoric just already. People love you and just are so excited. man told me the other day, said, I'm more excited about Frazier than I've ever been in my life. Wow. And that's wow. really good. And I've known him for a long time and wow. it sounds good. And thank you for letting me share in this sermon together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for the legacy you've built here. It is amazing for me to step in and uh, to be a part of a church like this and to see the seasons that it's gone through, that you let it through, uh, it is a beautiful thing to be a part of. So thank you so thank much. You. And the best days are still ahead I believe for Fraser. That. I believe that, yes. Right. Today we want to talk about how that you are called. Uh, God has a calling on your life, and we would just want to uh, talk about that in some very practical ways. So we're going to share some story. We're going to open up God's Word and share some Scripture with you. And so, and then at the end, give you a little practical advice as well. And so as we get started, would you pray with me? Father, we come to you in this moment, and we are so thankful, so thankful. Uh, for all that you are doing in us uh, as your church, but also what you're doing in our lives as individuals. And Lord, we know that you have a calling on each and every person's life. There is a purpose for them. And I pray that they would discover that and walk in that all of their days for your honor and for your glory. So would you be with us now? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to know you. In Jesus' good and powerful name. Amen. 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 Well, the first point that we want to make is very simple, and that is that everyone has a calling. Each and every one of us are called by God to do something on this earth. And so uh, part of what we want to do is just share a little bit of our story. And so, John, Ed, won't you share how you felt called into ministry? Well, good. And hey, I thank you. I've watched you preach, and you're a great preacher. And I notice you always use an iPad. And so <laughs> I, I do, maybe so. I'd try yeah. to do the same thing. Oh. So I got my iPad right here. <laughs> And I'm going, now I don't have anything on it. Of course. But uh, I just thought if, if you're watching on television, it'll look good. It'll, it looks great. And, and I, can, I can see there. And then I'm going to learn how to operate this because all you young guys, and I don't know how y'all get all of that on your iPad, but I just want to be yeah, sure. I just, I just bought it and I just really like my iPad. Oh, it's impressive. You know, my father was a minister. Mm -hmm. My grandfather was a minister mm -hmm. part-time. And um, I grew up in a... Parsons. In fact, I grew up right around Montgomery, five mm. years in Notasolga, mm -hmm. five years in Wetumpka, 12 years in Opelika. Mm. And so I've been right in this area. My father didn't go into the ministry until I was born. Mm. And, you know, people always say, you're going to be a preacher. And I said, well, I'd like to be like my daddy. Mm. But then I also, if your father's a minister, he's 10, well, I'm going to see if I can do something else. Mm. But uh, I felt God's call very much upon my life. It was in a youth week, 
an invitation and a challenge was given to people who would follow God's vocation in a full-time manner. Oh, wow. And I, along with two or three other people, came to the altar and responded to God's call. I was quite young. I was a junior in, in high school. Mm. But, you know, it made a big difference because the earlier you learn what your call is going to be, the more you can plan and move towards mm -hmm. it. And a lot of people, you don't know what they're doing. They waste a lot of time and do a lot of things they don't need. Mm -hmm. So my life became focused on going into the ministry. I loved sports, mm -hmm. had a lot of basketball scholarships, and I was able to go to a wonderful basketball school. It was a mm -hmm. strong Christian school, mm -hmm. and that helped forge also my ministry at Young Harris Junior College, came to Huntington College. So my whole career in education mm -hmm. was focused towards being a minister, and God wow. called me. I never doubted it, mm -hmm. and uh, I feel confirmed every day mm. when I get up and God gives me a purpose, what am I going to do today? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The same, same was kind of true for me. I, I kind of, um, uh, it, mine started with an opportunity someone gave me. Not long after I became a Christian, um, there was a Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, club at the school, uh, the high school that I attended. Uh, and it was a very, it was very strong. I think some people went to it just to maybe you know, get out of class and go to the <laughs> club meeting. Um, but not long after I became a Christian, I remember the FCA leader, Bonnie Black, uh, she said, well, wh why don't you speak? You know, we're going to have an FCA gathering. Why don't you come and speak? And I said, uh, sure, I I'll do that. And um, I, I didn't realize how many people were going to be there, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest with you. And I remember standing up and giving this devotion on Ephesians 4.3, about make every effort, effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And I remember I was sitting, I was standing there, and I had a Bible in one hand, had a microphone in the other hand, and my hand was just shaking because I, I couldn't hold the mic. It was just uncontrollable, and I was just so nervous in that moment. Um, and then not long after that, a family friend of ours named Tim, he uh, ran a campground chapel. And so uh, when people would come in for the 4th of July and things like that, uh, he, you know, he would hold church out there. And uh, we had 18 people. He said, why don't you come out and preach? Sure. We had 18 people in this small chapel, and I stood up uh, to preach. And, and I remember, I, I've been thinking back on that, how that what Bonnie did and what Tim did was they gave me an opportunity to step out there um, and, and see, was this really what God had called me to do? And it was in that act of kind of stepping out and being a part of something and actually standing up and speaking um, that I just really realized, okay, God has called me to do this. And that's one of the reasons today why uh, I think just simply inviting people uh, to be a part of, if you're already in a ministry, invite people to be a part of it because they may step into it and say, this is for me too. And that's kind of how speaking and preaching came for me. Uh, powerful. It's powerful. Yeah, and I'm glad you hit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's mm -hmm. been a big vital part. And, and this church, Fraser, mm -hmm. uh, there are so many folks today who are in some kind of laity form of ministry. Mm -hmm. um, so many have come to Christ, and I could tell you stories. This church has always been deeply involved in sending kids to yes. camp and giving opportunities. And I thankful for those FCA folks that gave you that opportunity. Yes and look at the fruit that mm -hmm. is bearing today. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. We love FCA and want to support them any way we can. They do great work in our schools. Let me just give you a little side bit to sure. FCA. I didn't know we were going to talk about that. Yeah. You know that Fraser, we had Fellowship of Christian Athletes as a focus one time mm -hmm. here. Fraser gave more money to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, the whole national thing, 
than any local church had ever given wow. in a year. Wow. And I can't remember, but it was a huge amount of money. Wow. And I was always uh, proud of the fact that mm -hmm. Frazier was investing in a lot of young people that are going to make a difference. Absolutely. And in so many ways, I'm, I'm a product of that. That's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Well, so the first thing is everyone has a calling. And, and, and somewhere along the way, uh, as long as you're stepping out there, God's going to step into your life and, and you're going to hear that. You're going to know that. But one of the things that's important to know is that it's okay to struggle, at least when you're starting. Uh, it, it's okay to maybe stumble along the way. God will teach you a lot through that. And John Ed, you have a very interesting uh, story about your first sermon. Well, uh, you know, we used to have youth weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd, folks from all over town would come. We'd have speakers and programs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so at the end of the youth week, they, my dad would always give the youth the worship service on mm -hmm. Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And so once I had made that commitment to be a preacher, uh, sometime after they said, well, you do the sermon. I said, well, wait a minute. I didn't want to get into it that quick. So they gave me the opportunity of doing the sermon. Mm -hmm. And different people, young people, would do the prayer, lead mm -hmm. the singing, mm -hmm. and do different things. And, and I worked for hours and hours and hours on my sermon. <laughs> and let me tell you, the guy that got up to lead it, his name was Bill Melton. And uh, when he got up, I think he was like a NASCAR race driver. Mm. He got up and said, now we're going to sing him 38 first verse. And that was it. <laughs> then the guy that got up to do the prayer, you've heard a sentence prayer? Yeah. His yeah. was about three sentences. <laughs> right. And it was over. And then everybody that did stuff, I mean, it was over quickly. Yeah. And about 10 minutes after 11, it was time for the sermon. Wow. <laughs> now, I got up and, and I preached and told them everything I knew, plus a little. And it took about six or seven minutes to do wow. that. Yes. And so then I didn't know if we ought to go back and sing 48 verses or just as I am or what we ought to do. But, but it was over. And it was the briefest sermon. And I thought, oh, man, I, that's just not very well done. But you know what? Afterwards, uh, we were out by 1125. Yes. And I just apologized to some of the. I said, oh, don't, don't. In the ministry, I always remember, mm -hmm. nobody will complain about a sermon that's too short. That's right. They'll complain about sermons that are too long, <laughs> but not too short. And then I also noticed that uh, they like getting out at 1130. They could beat the Baptist that's to right. the cafeteria. <laughs> so uh, brevity was not planned, mm. but it's what that worship service came out. That was my first experience at preaching in a worship service. Wow, wow. Well, mine is very similar. Uh, whenever our friend Tim uh, invited me to come preach at his campground chapel, uh, again, we had 18 people in this little small chapel, and, um, and I remember I had studied hard too. I studied very hard for this sermon. I had seven pages of handwritten notes on a legal pad. Seven pages. And it literally took me six minutes to get through those seven pages. In fact, whenever I got done preaching, uh, I didn't even know what to do. Uh, I didn't pray or anything. I just said, that's all I have. And I walked over and I sat down in where the preacher would sit up there. And uh, whenever I walked over and sat down, my friend Tim, luckily, he got up and went up to the pulpit and he said, well, I think we have um, enough time to sing a few more hymns. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we, we sung a little more than the preaching was that day. But I remember when I sat down in that moment, um, there was, I, I knew it was short. I, I knew it wasn't good. I, I knew that. Uh, but when I sat down in that moment, I knew that I could not not preach. I knew that God had called me to preach the gospel for the rest of my life in some way. 
Um, and it was, it was that, if I, you know, you look back on that, the, those early days and you think, oh man, that was bad or whatever. But uh, it's okay to struggle in the mm -hmm. beginning and we all do in some way. And uh, I mean, I certainly did. I had a great fear of speaking in front of people. And I really had a fear of reading in front of people. Uh, and it's amazing how God overcame that in, in so many different ways. And so if you're watching this and you struggle in some way with your calling, you feel like God has called you to do something, but you, you kind of maybe get started and you stumble a little bit, that's okay. It's normal. God uses those moments. He teaches us in those moments. Uh, it, it just, just hang in there. Hang in there. You know, the Bible talks about build each other up. Mm -hmm. And when anybody you go and hear it preaches early on, yes. they need to be built up. I'll never forget, there was a couple that always sat very, very active in the church, good mm -hmm. friends, and he'd been a big supporter of me in sports and school mm -hmm. and all of that. And I remember I was sort of worried about what he would have thought, he mm -hmm. and his wife. And his wife, I just said, that was mighty short. She said this to me. She said, but John, Ed, it was good. Said Bill stayed awake for three minutes, and that's really good. <laughs> now, you that's know, right. that was an encouragement to me. That's and, right. And you got people yes. right now that are listening. You can encourage folks, and mm -hmm. uh, every pastor needs encouragement. Yes. I mean, if you've been preaching for 100 years like me, or, <laughs> you know, you, the encouragement yes. all of us need, mm -hmm. and it's easy to tear somebody down. It's yes. a lot better to build people up, Absolutely. especially in a time of struggle. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good word. Yes. And so we really do believe everybody has a calling, and it's okay to struggle and stumble in the beginning. And as John had said, we, we have to be there to build each other up and encourage each other. And one of the things we have to stay focused on, uh, I believe, uh, while we're trying to live into our calling is just focus on being faithful. Just focus on being faithful. We see in John 15, verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me as I in you. Notice that he said, abide in me. Not, not abide in knowledge or abide in just working hard, but abide in me. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Uh, we very much live a part of a uh, results-driven culture. And I like results. I like lasting, eternal results. Sure, and, and we, we all do. But I think it's very important that we do not uh, put results over relationship. Uh, so many times, uh, while we're, we want to see things happen in our ministry, we want to see lives touched, yes, but it all goes back to abiding in Christ and staying connected to Him. And because of our constant connection with Christ, that's actually what compels us forward in so many ways. And it fills us up while we're pouring ourselves out. And a lot of times we get caught up in the work of ministry and not the task and the to-do list. I like to-do list. Mm -hmm. I like to make a to-do list. I like to mark things off that to-do mm -hmm. list. It's just how my personality works. Um, but we have to focus on that relationship that we have. I love the quote from Martin Luther uh, where he says, Work, work, from morning till late at night. I have so much work to do that I shall have to spend the first three hours in prayer. The first three hours. I, and, and that just reminds me that all the work that we're doing, it's about abiding in Christ, just staying faithful to Him on a personal level as we're inviting other people in whatever way that looks like uh, to connect with Him, To whether we're providing and meeting needs in some way, we're letting them know that God can meet your needs. 
and God has a calling on your life, and you can have a relationship with God. We're, we're communicating all these things, but it's so important for us to continue to abide in Christ as well. As Jesus challenged us and said in Mark 8, 36, you know, what does it profit a person to save the whole world, lose your own soul? And so that being faithful part is so important, especially uh, in those young days, and you're passionate, you, you find out what God has called you to do, you start living into that into some way. I think we have to remember that our first job is to stay faithful and connected to Christ. Uh, and in some ways, it's our faithfulness to Christ that people see in us, um, and not just what we do, not just the act of preaching or the act of serving in some way. It's People see our faithfulness in Christ, and that draws them, uh, draws other people to Him as well. And so, uh, yeah, everyone has a calling. We all struggle with that. Uh, but also, I think we have to focus on being faithful, and then, and then the fourth thing is we trust God for the fruit. Would you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and, and being faithful is so essential. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to always remind all of us, God called us to be faithful, mm -hmm. not successful. That's right. And sometimes in any kind of ministry, we want to see what the success is. Mm -hmm. The faithfulness always comes first. And in that passage of Scripture, it's very, very clear that mm -hmm. it's God mm -hmm. who, if we're faithful to Him, and I don't have that on here, but I thought it would look okay. good if, yeah. I just, if, I, if I just opened it. <laughs> and uh, I can quote the Scripture. I love that passage from John in, uh, in what he did. He says, if you abide in me, mm -hmm. you will produce fruit. Yes. And so when the branch abides in the vine, mm -hmm. you will have a fruit that comes from yes. it. Now, part of the problem I think I get confused with sometimes is I skip over the faithfulness too quick, mm -hmm. try to get to the success. Mm -hmm. I know you've had this a lot of times <laughs> been in the ministry. Whenever there's a event outdoors, mm -hmm. uh, some people will jokingly say, well, preacher, we're going to put you in charge of the weather. You <laughs> yes. know, don't worry. And I just always remind people, I'm in sales, not management. That's right. <laughs> and too often in life, we try to be in management. Mm -hmm. But what God's really called us to be is in sales. Mm -hmm. And we have to be faithful in what God wants to do is to show us how that faithfulness can come. And He will always bless. Mm -hmm. Now, we've got great peaches in this area. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how good a peach tree looks. Mm-hmm you want to know is, what are the peaches? Yeah, Where are they right. coming from? Yep. And in our lives, God's given us a calling. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how much education we have, that's mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how much we study, it doesn't matter how hard we work, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter how smart we work. Show me, Yeah. show me, show me what the peaches are. Mm -hmm. And that's really, that comes from that faithless. And when we look for a need, mm -hmm. we see a need, and then we begin to meet that need, mm -hmm. God brings forth the harvest and yes. the fruit. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And that is uh, so true. And that's actually how we start. It really is how we start. Uh, a lot of people, you, you may be watching this right now, and you may be saying, how do I know what God has called me to do? What, what does that look like uh, in my life? How can I discover that? And it really does start with what John Ed just said. It, what need do you see? Just ask God, what are the needs around me? Uh, what are what, what are the needs that I see that I'm aware of that God you're opening my eyes to, and and what are they? I mean, really, what are they in people's lives? Not not just you know their general needs we look out into the world and anybody can make a list of needs, but what are you really seeing and what's grabbing your heart right now? 
what is the need that you see that you may think other people don't see that, but I, I feel the Lord putting this on my heart. For me, one of the things that um, really helped me understand my calling was I grew up in a great church, a great church. Um, it, it was it was an experience based church, so you know worship was a little lively and things like that. A lot of prayer for people, and it was it was beautiful in so many ways. But early on, uh, after I became a Christian, I started seeing that um, there were a lot of Christians that they didn't understand why they believed what they believed. Uh, I, their, the, their knowledge of the Bible maybe was uh, limited in some way, or you would ask questions, they couldn't answer them. And so part of what I wanted to do was really disciple people, help people understand why do you believe what you believe. Um, it, maybe there's more than just an experience on Sunday morning, all, although that is very important. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's part of the reason why I felt God called me to preach, um, is not just to bring people into the kingdom, but help people understand why it is they believe what they believe. And so many times it, it starts with seeing that need. Uh, what is the need that you see in the world, in the church, uh, around you, uh, and you start feeling God pull on your heart. So many times what happens is uh, we see a need in the world and then some people will step back and kind of point their finger at the church and say, hey church, you should meet that need. Uh, but many times we're seeing that need because God is inviting us in to be a part of meeting that need. And, and sometimes that starts with one person. You see a need in one person's life and you step out there and you meet that need and the next thing you know God brings somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. Next thing you know there's a whole ministry built with what started with meeting the need of one person's, uh, in one person's life. And, and as you ask God what are the needs, just, just ask God how can I help? How have you gifted me? Uh, what, is, what is in my hands? It's kind of like Moses standing before God. You know, God says, Moses, you could, yeah, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to tell Pharaoh let my people go. And Moses is like, how can I do that? And he says, what do you have in your hand? You have a staff. I can use that. I've put that in your hand. And, and so we just ask, you know, what do I have to offer? What are my gifts? What are my resources? I know people uh, who started, they saw a need. They saw shut-ins who were lonely and didn't have connection. And they wanted to give them something that reminded them that people are praying for them and with them. And so they said, I can knit. I can sew. And, and what started with one person then grew to other people. Uh, I know a man in Costa Rica who had a heart for discipling uh, his generation of people. And uh, he particularly had a heart for people in prison who maybe never had an opportunity to have a Bible. And what started out as discipling one person in prison has now spread to literally sell churches, churches in sales throughout Costa Rica in the prison system. And so you just say, God, what are needs that I'm seeing? How can I meet that? And then a key thing is just take the first step. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. It, it, it may start small, and that is absolutely okay. When I was preaching in that small chapel to 18 people when I was 17 years old, I never imagined I'd be here in Montgomery doing this with you today. I, I never imagined that. But, but just step out and start somewhere, anywhere. Uh, whenever you're seeing a need around you uh, and it's something that is really gripping your heart, that really could be God. You just ask, how can I help? And then start somewhere. And so, um, Johnny, I want to ask you, I, I know you, you've seen this over and over mm -hmm. in life. You've seen people step into this. Would you just share some stories with us about oh, sure. that? Hey, yeah, you know, it's easy to talk about something, see a need. And let me tell you one of the great things about this church. 
when people see a need, you don't have to go through a bunch of committees. Mm -hmm. If you want to kill a great idea, give it to a committee and then study <laughs> it and then give it to another committee. That's right. And most of the time, and just the encourage and the, the, the kind of culture that you're building mm -hmm. here allows it. I, I could live, give you 50 stories. Let me give you just two or three quick ones. Sure, sure. Uh, Tom and Donna Oliphant, mm -hmm. they saw a lot of young people that were not able to handle their finances well. Mm -hmm. Tom Oliphant had been quite successful, he and Donna. Mm -hmm. He came to me one day and he just said, look, uh, I hear a guy on the radio that says what my daddy taught me. And he says that you can teach it in churches. His mm -hmm. name was Dave Ramsey. Yep. And he said, could I go be trained? We didn't have a committee meeting or I said, sure. I said, yep. church will pay you way. Yeah. So uh, he came and he said, now I'd like to start, you know, mm -hmm. that financial piece yep. here. He said, now you got to buy books. And he said, I bought 20 of them. Mm -hmm. I said, well, the church will pay for it. He said, I don't know if we'll have 20 people. Mm -hmm. I said, well, let's trust God. Well, we put it in the bulletin, invited people to come. Do you know how many folks signed up for the very first one? How many? 300 people. Wow. And wow. they started teaching financial peace. And then from that, it went again, mm -hmm. and then again, and then again. Mm -hmm. I talked to him today. I said, now tell me about where are you? How many people in, not all of them are in Frasier. Some of them have come from the community. Mm -hmm. Over 3,000 people have gone wow. through financial peace, initiated by one guy. Mm -hmm. He's an old tennis player because yeah. you can't be too smart if you're an old <laughs> tennis player. But he and Donna and yep. give Donna so much of the credit. Mm -hmm. Look what they have done. Yes. And listen, they say that uh, it's j just to walk down the halls of the church on Sunday morning and somebody mm -hmm. comes up and hugs their neck and says, I want to thank you. You saved our marriage. Yes. Wow. I want to thank you. I'm now a Christian. Mm -hmm. And he made, he got a lot of paychecks, the best paycheck, the best paycheck you can ever receive. It's when somebody says, thank you. You saved my marriage mm -hmm. or this. Let me decide we have time maybe for just one other quick yes, story. Sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we had a guy named J church named Chuck Mathis. He was a martial arts guy. Mm -hmm. He said, now, I know I'm supposed to serve. He said, I see a need for women to know self-defense. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, could I teach a self-defense class? Sure. He said, I'd like to charge for it. And all the money charged, I'm going to give it to the youth to go on missions. Mm -hmm. Fine. So a lot of women took it. Mm -hmm. At that time, Montgomery was suffering from... A uh, serial rapist mm. who had raped several women in town, and it brought fear wow. to a lot of people. One of the girls in that class was Drew Ann Lackey. She, she, her family had moved out here. Mm -hmm. uh, her daddy was Drew Lackey, who was a former police chief. Mm -hmm. In fact, interestingly, if you see the picture of uh, when Ever Rosa Parks was arrested, mm -hmm. the policeman fingerprinting her. Mm -hmm. Is her daddy, a member of this church, wow. who was Drew Lackey, and he volunteered for it because he wanted to be sure that she wasn't harmed, wow. Rosa Parks, in any way. Wow. Now, now, Drew took the, uh, I mean, uh, Drew Ann took the class. Mm -hmm. She's over at Vaughn Road Park, mm -hmm. and uh, all of a sudden she was assaulted by this mm -hmm. guy. She knew what to do, mm -hmm. and she was able to call for help and restrain him until the police got here, and he was the serial rapist. Wow. And they asked her, said, how did you know what to do? I love, she said, my church. Wow. My church wow. gave somebody an opportunity to mm -hmm. teach me self-defense. Mm -hmm. They saw a need and look, and now their women are a whole lot safer in this mm -hmm. community. Don't ever underestimate mm -hmm. what God can do when he shows you a mm -hmm. need. And then we take our gifts and talents and we begin to deploy that need. And God's got 
every person is, this is a gifted church. Mm -hmm. And the more it spreads out and people utilize their talents, fulfill their calling, mm -hmm. I tell you, it's unbelievable the harvest that God's going to give. Absolutely, absolutely. Could I just lead us on a prayer? Please do. Uh, at, at, this, at this point? Yes. Uh, let me just ask you, if you, if you would pray and, um, Father, Right now, you're putting in every person's mind some need. Hmm. And uh, God, you know, who would have thought to teach self-defense? Who would have thought to teach the fact that you can handle your finances from a biblical You know, there are needs out there, Father. Hmm. And right now, there are people who are watching who could meet those needs. And, oh God, the reward is just unbelievable. Hmm. I just pray right now that you might show us and lead us and that we might become a part of what you've called us to be mm. as your people of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.